My name is Katie Rose. I am a mom and a teacher, and I am here to share my stories as I heal and expand into my most radiant self. We'll be talking life, trials, wins, and lessons through all sorts of modalities such as energy healing, human design, somatic work, traditional therapy, and so much more. It is my hope that in sharing my experiences, you feel inspired, empowered, and seen to live the exact life you came here to lead. Join me in celebration, tears, experiences, and joy. I'm so happy to have you with the Wild Rumpus start. Hello, and welcome to the Katie Rose podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Um, it is just about Halloween week here, and or it is Halloween week, just about Halloween. And so I didn't actually plan it this way, but it worked out that we are going to do an episode on should shadow work scare the ship out of me? Um So I felt kind of inspired to do this episode because one of my goals is to take some concepts or things you might be hearing and kind of explain them to you like we're grabbing a cup of coffee together. Like we're two people in a coffee shop and you're like, what is shadow work? I've seen it. Uh, It sounds really scary or weird or intimidating. Um, And what do you know about it? Um, So that's my goal is to have this be conversational and to share what I know and what my experiences are so that you can take or leave whatever works for you. Um, I think I'm going to do a discernment episode uh, coming up here where I talk about kind of what it means for me and for you to decide what – what things to embrace, what things to let go. Um, So that's a little teaser for what might be coming up here. Um, But today is uh, in honor of Halloween, all about shadows and uh, shadow work, how to work with them, should this really terrify you, and what my take is on all of this. So I remember as I was kind of starting this spiritual journey, and even at this point, I don't know if I'd even call it a spiritual journey, like kind of a (laughs) self-help mission, um, trying to work on things that just felt like they weren't working for me anymore. You know, I felt this like now what I recognize is this intense want to grow, but I didn't know what it was, and it felt very... um, stifling actually at the time. Like the best analogy I can think of is like I almost felt like a seed um, and I was just ready to sprout, but I didn't know what the heck was going on. You know, if you think of a seed, it gets buried in the dirt. And it's like, you know, um, you could even think of it. Yeah, it's it's a seed buried in the dirt. It's maybe tight in here, but it's also comfortable, right? And warm. Um, and it feels good for a while until it's not, until you're ready to burst out of the soil and kind of get up into the sunlight. So that when I started like in even encountering the term shadow work, it was when I was in my seed stage. 
my seed era. And um, so I think I had started to encounter it, honestly, from like um, astrology accounts. You know, there might be like some sort of transit or full moon and the astrologer would, would say something like, oh, you know, this is a great uh, full moon for working through shadow work. And I think, what the heck does that even mean? <laughs> you know, what is what do you mean is a great like how do I work through shadow work? What is shadow work? That sounds kind of scary and intimidating. And um, you know, I've spent a lot of my life <laughs> not wanting to be scared. So I don't know why I would willingly go into that state. But for me, what I understand and have come to find about shadow work is, and and this is an idea that's been I've I've heard other places, but it really resonated resonated with me. So this idea of like when you're a little child, right? This you know I can think of my kids, or you can think of yourself, but this little child, you know, just full of curiosity and exploration, and the world is full of wonder. And you yourself, you can think of as this like castle or this huge mansion with all these rooms and you just explore them one by one. You know, you open a room and there's all sorts of stuff in there and how interesting, you know, how curious, you know, really without judgment. What are all the, what do all these rooms mean? Um, But as we get older, we have people in our life, whether that's peers, whether that's teachers, whether that's parents, whether that's whomever who says, um, ooh, like that part of you, uh, you know, isn't okay. Um, That, you know, that side of you, that side of you that's loud, that side of you that's um, needy, that side of you that is intelligent, that side of you that is driven, that's not okay. You know, that's not okay to fit in the box for what we're all comfortable with. And so you shut the room to that, you know, you shut the room to the to the door that maybe is is your creativity. You know, people get shut down for their creativity. You shut the door to the room that is you uh, speaking your mind. You know, you shut, 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 shut. So you start shutting all these rooms in this giant mansion or castle, whatever visualization works for you till all of a sudden you hit this point and you, it feels like you live in this little rundown two-room house where the pipes are leaking and, you know, it smells like mildew um, because you shut off all these different parts of yourself. And so for me, shadow work is kind of opening up all of those doors that you closed off and going, well, what's in there? You know, what's in there? And this is important because there's this quote that I love by Carl Jung that is, uh, until you make the subconscious conscious, it will run your life, but you'll call it fate. And Carl Jung is kind of like known as the father of, of um, unconscious work, subconscious, unconscious work. Um, and I love that quote because it ties into shadow work in that if you have all these rooms shut off or all these, you know, I'm going to switch to all these parts of you shut off, um, they're still there. You're just not acknowledging them. And so you'll have these reactions to things and your life ends up getting totally driven by your unconscious. You know, you can think of an iceberg. This is talked about frequently in in psychology. You can think of this iceberg and maybe 10% of your life is conscious, right? Like you're consciously aware of it. And the other 90% is really being run on this autopilot. This unconscious, the subconscious is just really running your life. And so some of the work in kind of uncovering 
what's under there, what's the subconscious, what's the unconscious, um, that brings more into your consciousness and it is a very empowering thing. It also, I think, allows free will to flow more in a more aligned way. It allows you to make decisions from a place of love, from a place of confidence, from a place of neutrality rather than a place of fear. And so as we do the work, as we open up these doors, as we look at the shadows, um, inevitably there's going to be stuff that feels scary. There's going to be stuff that feels intimidating. There's going to be stuff that goes, oof, I don't, I don't want to look at that. That's something I, I – <laughs> Uh, there's a reason I put that in there. And so it's important that you feel safe as you kind of do this work, as you look at things, as you uncover what it is inside of you that maybe is looking to come out, maybe wants to come out. And the best book I would suggest on starting with with this is The Dark Side of the Light Chasers by Debbie Ford. Um, this is an older book. She has a number of books out there. I This is the only one I've read. Um, and this was a lot of her work. It was fascinating for me. Like as I started to realize I had to do shadow work and I didn't know where to sh- start, I think sort of obscurely on a blog post, I came across this book and I had kind of done my research. And so I read it and it's a, it, it really is a great place to start. It's a, it will open up your eyes if you've never done this work as a unique way to view yourself and to view the world. Um, and one thing that came out of this book for me and out of this work for me is where you might have a difficult shadow, you have an equally brilliant gift tied up in there. Um, that's, also not able to come out. So I know that that for me, as I read Debbie Ford's book was such a huge takeaway in that, especially at the time I was just dealing with so much fear. I felt like I was just swimming through fear every day of my life. Like I just felt so afraid and I had so much shame around this, right? It wasn't even just that the fear was overwhelming. It was just that I had so much shame and frustration at myself for feeling so afraid all the time that it was kind of this cycle. Um, And that's why so much of my personal work has also been love and compassion for myself because because genuinely that is where I started to see the change. Instead of judging myself, instead of being self-critical on all the parts that I felt like weren't working the way I wanted them to or getting frustrated because I should just be knowing better. I should be doing this in a better way. I know better. Uh, Instead, meeting myself with love and compassion has changed my life. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. Um, So for me, as I – fear was something that I carried around so much in this this book. Debbie Ford talks about what is the the gift of that um, shadow. And for me, it was courage. So I I had this like huge epiphany moment where I was like, I definitely have this massive capacity for fear. And so I therefore have a massive capacity for courage. And that was like such a strong concept for me to hold on to, to embrace, to ground myself in. Um, and it let me see light in this area that felt so oppressive and and really in the end just wanted to be seen and embraced and integrated into me. Um, another analogy that's just kind of a nice way to think about shadow work is like if you think about if you have a basement, right? And this is like not a tidy basement where you have like the stack shelves and everything's labeled. This is like a, you know, 
your parents are kind of a hoarder and you're going to help clear out the basement. And so it feels overwhelming. It's like, I don't even know why I want to go down there and, and clean out this basement. There might be critters and animals like mice and bugs and stuff I just don't want to deal with. Creepy crawlies down there. I don't know if I'm going to find out something about my family history that's I don't want to see. I don't, you know, I there's all kinds of stuff. Why the heck would I go into this basement and open up and organize and clear out all these boxes? Why would I ever want to do that? They're in the basement and I'm going to leave them in there. And the answer is freedom, right? So as you go down and you take that brave step into the basement and you start clearing out and organizing and understanding those boxes, you become free. You know, those boxes no longer ruin your life, right? You don't no longer go about your Saturday being like, darn it, I have to get down there and clean that basement. When is that? When am I going to do that? I'm just avoiding it, right? You become free. You create freedom for yourself, but also you find the gifts, right? So in clearing out the basement, yeah, you might have to you know, you might run into uh, critters and you might run into stuff you don't necessarily feel like seeing, but you might find gifts down there as well. You know, you might find baby pictures. Um, you might find a letter from your grandfather to your grandmother. You might find um, like a priceless, you know, piece of jewelry that just got thrown in a box, um, something like that. So there are gifts in doing this work, you, you're you in closing off your basement to the stuff that may be scary or intimidating or overwhelming. You're also closing yourself off to the gifts and closing yourself off from the freedom of having like a super organized basement and letting, you know, opening up that bulkhead, letting the light come in, letting it, letting it be free and airy and clearing out all that heavy stuff that you're carrying around. So for me, that really is what shadow work and doing shadow work has done for me. So my goal in this episode is to just give some ideas of how to approach shadow work, how to integrate shadow work, um, how to kind of take that first step and dip your toe into shadow work in a way that's attainable and approachable. Um, You know, sometimes if you like find an account and they specialize in shadow work, it might feel really overwhelming because they are so good at it. And so my goal is to give you enough where you can start working with yourself and your own inner knowledge, your own tools. And if you find that you need additional support now, when you go to like these experts, you have some baseline work that you can kind of expedite your work with them and it's much more efficient. So One of the first ideas I want to give is to even consider looking into your gene keys. So gene keys is an offshoot of human design um, by a gentleman named Richard Rudd who worked with the founder of human design. Um, He's a poet. Um, It is a really beautiful work. It integrates well with human design. It, It comes from the idea of human design. And basically what it is, is you have these different gates, these different gene keys. Well, that, that's what they're actually called is gene keys. You have these different keys and each of the keys has a shadow, a gift, and a city. And city is kind of like the divine 
highest level of that gift. And so through the Gene Keys work, um, it really is going into the shadow in order to discover the gift. Um, and then, you know, sometimes hitting that point of city, you know, that that divine process. And so to give you an example, because that probably sounds pretty abstract, in the Gene Keys, my pearl, um, which is the Gene Key that's associated with abundance, right? A, we all love abundance. Bring on the abundance, baby. So my Gene Key associated with abundance has the shadow of expectation, the gift of detachment, and the city of celebration. And so I got to do my Pearl Gene Keys reading with this amazing woman. Um, her name is Stephanie Joseph. I'll link her. Um, in addition to being a grief coach, she's this phenomenal um, Gene Keys reader. Um, and so for me, how powerful is that to think of like my Pearl and Gene Keys? So to think of your shadow as expectation. Um, you know, we might think of shadows in more conventionally dark terms like, you know, lust, greed, envy, uh, hate, you know, it would sure are all in the realm of shadow. But to think of expectation as a shadow is kind of in, an interesting thing to ponder, an interesting thing to sit with, an interesting thing to be curious about is, oh, for me, a shadow is expectation. And I found this to ring so true for me because the more I have expectations of exactly how something's going to go, the more I feel like I have to force my way through life. And the more I have maybe a broad sense of, oh, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do that, and then release that expectation and embrace the detachment of how that looks, the more magical my freaking life becomes. Um, so even these podcast episodes, I sit down and I say to myself, you know, here's my goal. I have a little outline, you know, this is just kind of what's on my heart to talk about today, but I'm going to release the expectation of exactly how that's going to look. I'm going to release the expectation that I'm going to nail this because if I start talking and I'm tripping over my tongue and I can't get things out, you know what? It's not my day to record and I'll just record this another day. Um, and so the city of that being celebration is also kind of this idea, and, and Stephanie advised me to do this, is just to celebrate. So with every little thing in my business um, and in my life, if I can celebrate it, like absolutely, I I'm going to celebrate. You know, just finishing a podcast episode – I'm going, awesome, Katie. Like that was so exciting. And maybe making myself like just a really yummy cup of tea with like all the good things, like putting, you know, honey in there and maybe a little lemon juice and, you know, just sipping and enjoying that at the end as like my celebration for fixing, for finishing a little episode. Because when I do that, abundance pours into me. Um, and so everyone has a different, you know, pearl in their gene keys. And I would totally advise you to reach out to Stephanie if this is interesting to you at all. But again, how this ties into shadow work is there's these amazing gifts that we can integrate into our life if we go down into the shadows and look at them, be curious about them, 
love, understand, and embrace them. And then through there, we get these amazing gifts that come out of that. And so the Gene Keys just kind of lays that out really nicely. Um, And so it might be something to consider. If you have no idea where to start, you could get a reading with Stephanie or or just start looking into your gene keys. You can also get your gene key chart for free. I'll link that as well. And it literally on each of your keys lists out your shadow, your gift, and your city. And so that might be something where you could literally just get that and then one by one just kind of ponder, hmm, okay, on this I have the, the shadow of unease. Um, and then I have the gift of intuition. Well, what does that mean for me? How has that played out in my life? Um, how might I step in more into being intuitive in order to alleviate that shadow I have of unease? That's, if you can't tell, another gene key I have um, for my life's work. So gene keys and shadow work, there's an idea for you to run with if that resonates. Um Another even more simple place to start and super practical is just to observe yourself, be curious with yourself. You know, if you find yourself saying, I could never, or I I, I can't do that, um, that might be your shadow looking to be seen, right? And so maybe you keep a list on your phone or in your journal where stuff just comes up for you. And you don't necessarily even have to do anything right away other than just to observe it. Um, You know, so that was something like, here's a just very simple example. But when I was in college, I had a friend of mine in college say, you know, whenever we pick, like, not that we went out to eat much because none of us had a whole lot of money, but every once in a while we'd be like, all right, let's, you know, kind of do like a girl's dinner. And she's like, you just never have an opinion. You just never have an opinion of where we want to go out to eat. And I was kind of taken aback because I had had this narrative that that was good, that that was um, virtuous to not have any opinion in and of myself. And she kind of called me out on it. And to be honest, I had actually – and this is to this day one of my favorite people. She's one of my favorite people on the earth. But to be honest, I had had this sort of feeling like, wow, she's very opinionated for where she wants to eat. Um, And so – Sometimes people are mirrors for us, right? And so she was showing me the shadow that, of course, you have a right to an opinion. You're one of the, you know, five of us going out to eat. Why Why don't you have an opinion? I have an opinion. Why don't you? Um, and she, she, for the record, was absolutely right. And so for me, it was the shadow of having a voice, right? I felt like having a voice was dangerous. It was much safer to just let other people decide um, and you know, I could be fine with wherever we were not to eat. Um, and so it's something that as I started doing this work, you know, if my husband and I have a date night, you know, where in the past I'd be like, well, wh- what do you feel like? I really try to sit and feel into myself. Like, what do I feel like? What do I feel like? Like, do I feel like, uh, you know, Mexican? Do I feel like sushi? Do I feel like maybe we just do takeout and go and we live pretty close ocean and just kind of sit and, you know, sit on the beach and have a little picnic. That is probably not his favorite favorite thing. But, you know, what is my opinion? And then we can talk about it together. You know, I don't have to be a tyrant. Um, but that's like a practical way to look at your shadows is just to notice once again, like, where do you tell yourself you're not allowed to do something that that either someone else easily does, or just in general, you're not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to be cared for. I'm not allowed to be nurtured. Um, I'm not allowed to feel angry. I'm not allowed to be seen. I'm not allowed to be successful. Um, 
And I think that's an easy place to start is just kind of being aware of where those feelings come up. Um, You know, like I said, making a list, putting it in your journal. Um, And then when you have a moment, you know, I always am a fan of going on meditative walks. You know, um, my husband is someone who has ADHD. So kind of that neurodivergence, it's hard for him to like sit and journal. That's just like not something that comes easily for him, but he has these great insights when he just goes for walks by himself, no headphones, no phone. Um, And so sometimes he'll even like set out on a walk with the intention of, you know, I'm going to think about this. So that would be an idea if journaling doesn't resonate to you, you know, if you find yourself saying, you know, I'm not allowed to feel angry, like that's an example that's come up for you. You know, you've noticed either in your your personal relationships, your work relationships, this sense that you're not allowed to feel angry, you know, you wrote it on your phone, you, you know, whatever, um, then take a 20-minute walk, you know, do that for yourself on a Saturday morning or if you have little kids, I like to have practical solutions because I have little kids. You know, you put your your kids, little kids to bed and you kind of say to your partner, hey, um, I'm going to go for a 20-minute walk. And on that walk, you just kind of have an, in, an intentional walk and you kind of say, I'm going to think about why I might feel as though I'm not allowed to be angry. You know, what? where did that story come from? Whose story is that? Um, and answers that might come up from that. Um, And I think the intentionality is important, you know, kind of setting off and having that intention to walk. And it is so easy to not have quiet time um, in our lives. And it is so easy to get in your car and put music on or a podcast on or go for a walk and put music or podcast on. And that is fine. There is nothing wrong with any of that. But if you start to feel at ease or you start to feel uncomfortable and you go, oh, I'm going to switch something on or I'm going to just call my best friend or my sister or whomever real quick because I'm, I'm feeling uneasy, you know, or I'm home alone in my house and I don't like this because the thoughts start coming up. So I'm going to run out to Target. If you start doing those things, that's okay. You don't have to have judgment with yourself, you know, have compassion and love for yourself. But Again, be curious. Well, why is that coming up? Well, what would that feel like if honestly I just sat with myself for five minutes? Or if that's too much, what if I just went for a walk and didn't bring my phone? I just went for a walk in the park around my neighborhood and I didn't bring my phone. I just was with myself. Um, Those are some practical ways to kind of start. Um, As this work starts coming up and you start identifying some things, there's a great book called Shadow Work by Valerie Inez, um, and I will link that. Um, And this is uh, a workbook. Um, It has a lot of energy release activities um, and then kind of journal pump prompts, journal pumps, journal prompts that go along with it. Um, And so you may be like, energy release, that might overwhelm me. What does that mean? So for example, one of the things in her workbook is sort of an intentional primal scream. Um, But again, as I've done this work, I've learned intentionality is everything, you know? And so I found that I had not processed so much anger in my body. There was so much stuff I was angry about from my childhood that just was completely unresolved. And so when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I can do that. Um, And so she kind of gives helpful tips like, 
I'm going to scream into a pillow. Um, I'm going to go outside maybe if you live in a more rural area and just scream. I don't know, you know, if you're not going to freak out your neighbors. Um, You know, cars are pretty soundproof. When I did this and I realized I had to let all this stuff out, I literally drove to a park in my car totally by myself and I just screamed. I just screamed in the car. I just set, set the intention of like let some of this rage get out of my body that I've carried around for decades. And I just screamed. Um, and then she has just helpful journal prompts. So after you do that, um, what does that feel like? You know, um, things to reflect on, how could you integrate and move forward? So again, I'll link it. That's a great book. Um, I've talked about this book before healing your inner child by Natasha Levenger. Um, this is a book I love. I, I, you know, Natasha talks about in her book that inner child work is really a form of shadow work, right? It's kind of under the umbrella of shadow work. Um, And so that's a great place to get started, especially I would advise anybody reading this, but especially like as you do this work to meet yourself with love and compassion rather than judgment, aggression, shame, guilt, grief, you know, those are things that aren't going to help work through your shadows. Um, it really is meeting yourself with love, compassion, neutrality, if you can't do anything else. Um, and so that's another great place to get started. And as we're kind of winding down this episode, I wanted to also read you this quote because this is something that um, Debbie Ford talks about in her book, this quote from Marianne Williamson that talks about um, – well, let me read the quote and then I'll I'll give you my thoughts on it. But our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light and not our darkness which most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to manifest the glory of God. And then it goes on from there. Um, so this is something that um, Debbie Ford also talks about in her book is like sometimes we're afraid of our light. We're sh- afraid of how powerful we can be, how much we can shine, how much we can achieve, how much we can do because it you know, it feels safer to shrink away. And this is something I relate related to. Um, and this whole project, this coaching, this podcast, this putting myself out there is, is a stretch for me. It feels good and I feel excited and all the tingles, but I also, you know, spent so much of my life shying away from expressing my feelings. You know, if you ever think, you know, she's sharing a lot. Like I have a cancer moon. So you can look that up and be like, cancer moons don't like to share about themselves. So this is a push for me. But that being said, it feels so good and so fulfilling. And I truly believe in my heart and soul, this is part of what I'm meant to do. If for nothing else for myself, because it's such a good platform for me to process through what I have worked on, what I am working on. So again, you know, as we look at the parts of us that might scare us the most, we also get to see the most brilliant, vibrant, radiant parts of ourselves that were something maybe we never expected. Um, 
So again, to wrap up, the best tool in all of this is curiosity. You know, when you feel tight or restricted um, or having judgment, you know, ask yourself, what is this? You know, what is this in my body? Our bodies are phenomenal tools on what we're feeling on our intuition. You know, that's another episode I'm going to do coming up is is how our bodies, how I'm working on connecting to my body, how I, you know, did so much junk to my body and how my body has become such a tool for my own intuition, which is still a work in progress. But you know, when you feel tightness in your shoulder, wherever it is, tightness in your shoulders, in your stomach, you know, you feel sick to your stomach, your chest feels tight, your throat closes up, you know, notice that, be curious about it. Again, it's nothing you have to fix today. The first step is just being aware, like look at yourself and as as an observer, look at yourself with childlike curiosity. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting that this person just asked me to do something and I felt my whole body seize up. What what could that mean? Or let me just notice what that is. Let me I don't even have to I don't even have to subscribe meaning at this point, but like what what does that look like in me? How, how can I how can I be aware of what my body is doing? So, you know, kind of this recipe of what is this, you know? And then from there, where is the origin of this story? You know, so where is the origin of the story that I can't pick where we go out to eat, that I can't say, have a say in any activities, right? And so for me, I'll, I'll share a story. I think there's a number of them, but here's a story. When I was um, young, um, my father, who I've talked about, who's very very psychologically, emotionally abusive, lots of different abuses he instilled on us, um, was uh, gone for work. Let me put it that way. He was gone for work and we had flown out as a family to meet him, which like having my own family now, this would have played out so much differently. Um, But I digress. So he picked us up from the airport. I was starving. We were all starving. And I had said something like, can we just not go to a pizza place? That was just not something where I wanted to go. Like, can we go anywhere else? I just, I don't, I don't feel like going to a pizza place. And lo and behold, he, in addition to many other things, pulls into a pizza place. Um, so again, I had, this was, we flew from the East coast to the West coast. I just got off a plane for six hours. Um, my one request was like, Hey, I just don't feel like pizza we walk in to the pizza place and I see the menu and it's like like a dive bar, whatever his his type of joint, which is nothing against sideboard bars, but it was just not what I was feeling. Um, and I remember saying like, oh man, this is just not what I was looking for. And in front of the whole restaurant, like <laughs> the whole restaurant, you know, he screamed at me, you're such a spoiled brat. Um, who are you, you know, who do you think you are? Like, this is just screaming in my face in front of an entire restaurant full of people. And I assure you, like, in no way did I hardly ever express what I wanted. So this was even rare that I had done this. Um, And I was just humiliated, shamed, um, embarrassed. uh, And so we all had to get in the car because I was so ashamed, like, cause it was such a mess and everyone was staring at us, 
got in the car, my parents started just screaming at each other. So of course I'm, I'm a teenager at this point, but like you still, I still was taking it. So I'm like, oh, I caused this huge fight between my parents, um, dropped off at the hotel for which there was like not even like accommodations for all of us. Like it was like a mass side note. Um, and my father took off, you know, my mom was off, you know, for three days while he, you know, we were supposed to, we hadn't seen him in months. And so this was supposed to be like a family get together. This is within, you know, two hours of landing at the airport. (laughs) Uh, he takes off for three days. My mom's upset. And so what sort of internal dialogue do I now have around picking a restaurant or even not even picking a restaurant, voicing a concern about, what even type of food gets eaten. So it's no wonder that I have this like tightness, this fear, this anxiety that comes up in me, you know, when someone says, well, where do you want to eat? You know, is it any wonder that that is something that comes up? So for me, like, again, to show myself love and compassion, which would I would say is the next step. So kind of having like this idea of what is this, you know, and then what is the origin story of this? Then where can I give myself love and compassion? You know, so this great technique that I learned from Natasha Levenger is kind of putting your hand on your chest, sort of stimulating that parasympathetic nervous system, you know, getting your body out of fight or flight, you know, it helps just like with little babies, if you ever have a had a little baby that was fussing or whatever, you know, my kids, I could do this. If they were in the bassinet next to my bed, I could just put my hand on their chest and it would calm their nervous system down. So you can do that to yourself and say, hey, it's okay that these feelings are coming up. It's okay that you feel like you're in fight or flight right now and you don't have to have any judgment with yourself, like, hey, this person just asked what I want to eat for dinner and I'm going into fight or flight. There needs to be no judgment, just love and compassion. Like, of course, you know, of course that feels scary. Of course that feels intimidating. Of course you feel like the tiger is going to run out of the woods because in fact it did for a period of your life. And you are safe. You are so safe and you are so worthy. You are so worthy to make a call of what you feel like to eat for dinner. That is so available and accessible to you. Um, so again, I kind of had this like little layout, you know, what is coming up? What might be the origin of this? Where can I give myself love and compassion? And then eventually with practice, you know, I don't know if this is something that came for me right away. If it comes for you, that's freaking awesome. But eventually, then how can I embody the version of myself that handles these feelings and situations from a place of confidence, freedom, and neutrality? Um, So kind of stepping into that like higher version of myself that, you know, eventually, you know, when someone says, hey, what do you feel like for dinner? Oh, um, from a total place of freedom and neutrality, I'm able to say, hey, I feel like, you know, Mexican or I feel like um getting a really good panini for lunch you know something like that that feels good to my body that and I feel confident in saying that and I don't have to worry about anyone else's reaction to that because that is a perfectly reasonable and in fact helpful 
answer to a question that someone is asking me. So that, my friends, is what I wanted to leave you all with today is my two cents on how to address these things that might come up for you. You know, what is this? What's the origin of this? If I'm writing a new or if I'm, where can I give myself, sorry, let me start that back over. What is this? What is the origin of this? Where can I give myself love and compassion? And eventually, how can I embody the version of myself that handles these feelings and situations from a place of confidence, freedom, and neutrality? So that is my episode on my intro to shadow work, my takes on shadow work. I hope it's something that no longer intimidates you and you feel empowered to use this however it might fit in your life in a small way or a big way. Um, I hope you all have a lovely Halloween and I will see you all next week. First of all, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the Katie Rose podcast. This project is a self-funded labor of love from my heart to yours. If this show resonated with you in any way and you would be so kind as to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're using, it would mean the absolute world to me. Also, if you want to connect further, please send me a DM on Instagram at Katie Rose Coaching and say hello. Thank you again and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes released weekly. Until next time, sending you all the love.